Amen. Amen. Let's read a verse together. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. And let's pray. Father, as we give our offering, we thank You for Your Word that is a light to our path. Help us not only to hear Your Word, but also to be a doer of Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Welcome here today. If you're visiting, just hang on to that card. That'll be your gift to us today. You can take it through the doors after, and we'd love to give you a gift. So we're glad you're here. You guys can take the offering as we give to the Lord as part of our worship. My name's Fred, and uh, I'm a pastor at Mountain View Main Campus. This is Mountain View Sunnyside, and it's my privilege to be here and share with you today. And I want to talk to you a little bit out of uh, the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. That's kind of our starting point. It's our verse for the year this year at Mountain View. Enlarge your house, build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. That is a verse of encouragement, a verse of enlargement, a verse that, that talks about growth and multiplication. And that's what we're excited about. We're excited about the fact that things grow and they multiply and that God does it because when we need to be like God, we need to think big because God is big. God doesn't think small. He doesn't move small. He doesn't act small. God, like when he created the universe, he wasn't thinking, how small can I make this, right? When God created you, he didn't think, I'm just going to kind of make you minimally as good as possible. And God looked and he said, I'm going to make you and bless you, that you will be a blessing. And he says, my creation is going to be expansive. It's going to be great. It's going to be large. God is big. And, and when he does that, we reflect him. Luke 6 says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. A bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes aren't picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from your heart. What he's saying, what Jesus is communicating is what's in your heart overflows. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He's saying not only does the mouth speak, but, it, but it's reflected in your actions and, and how you live your life. God is never undersold. He never Un, over promises and under delivers god is a god of blessing and multiplication and that's what he's calling us to and we're here to celebrate a transition that's taking place a multiplication that's taking place from mountain view sunnyside to prodigal and we're excited and encouraged by that we're excited because healthy things grow like healthy things grow they just do I mean, John's got, and Sarah have a couple of kids, right? Dex and Ivy. Like, if they stop growing, you're going to go, what's the problem? Why aren't they growing? Not being fed? Some kind of sickness or disease? I mean, you worry, like, what's happening? Why isn't this going on? And it's the same in, in the church of Jesus Christ. Healthy things grow, and they multiply. And we're excited about that growth. Five years ago, there was there were seven people that, that were at Mountain View Sunnyside, and then it grew to 70, and then three years ago, John came, and it's gone from 70 to about a 210 people. I mean, healthy things grow. There's multiplication that takes place. And now John's going to, to plant prodigal, right? 
It's exciting. It's multiplication. John said to me, you know, I want you to wear a prodigal shirt. And I said, sweet. And he's like, it's a t-shirt. And I thought, man, I got to tuck that in. I always wear a t-shirt under a shirt because you don't want to sweat, you know. And it's really cool in here, so that is awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I can do this. Those are my first two things, right? So I thought, no, no, it's, it's, I'm excited about what's happening. I want to communicate that, you know. It's the church. Healthy things grow. My daughter um, and her husband had a baby, and uh, they were living in Germany. So my wife went to be there for the birth. And I said to her, listen, honey, come on, honey, do me one favor. Like, I know you don't like texting, you know, and she's kind of an introvert. And I'm like, all I'm asking is when you're on the way to the hospital, just send me a text so I know something's happening. And then after the baby's born, just tell me. Like, I don't want to read about it on Facebook, you know, because I can see my daughter posting a picture, you know, of me going, oh, she had a baby, right? So I don't want to be the last to know. I don't have to be the first, but just somewhere, you know, let me know. So she's like, okay, okay, okay. So I get a text message. We're on the way to the hospital. And I'm like, oh, man, this text is going to be great. I love it, you know. If, if I would have got that text two hours earlier, it would have really helped me. But they weren't. Nothing was happening two hours earlier. Because I said at that moment when I looked at it, I thought, what am I doing in Fresno? So I called up. And you know, it's so easy to book a last-minute plane ticket. They're cheap. They're easy to get. Great itineraries, you know. So I, I book a flight. I can't get out in time. They're like, well, you can come to the airport and try and get on the last flight. It's leaving in 45 minutes. And I'm like, it's not happening, right? So, so the next morning, I fly. I don't tell anybody I'm going. I love surprises. Right? So I get to the airport. I fly. I'm on my way. I get picked up by, by Matthias. He's the pastor of the church we're working in. And, and we go to the house. It's 1130 at night. And I, I bang on the door. And because we can't break in because we don't have a key. And 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 Tony, my son-in-law, looks out and sees Matthias. And he says, he's thinking, what's Matthias doing here at 1130 at night? You know, and uh, well, he just got home with the baby like at nine. So he opens the door and I'm standing there and he goes, no way. I'm like, well, he's like, what are you doing here? I said, are you kidding me? There's a granddaughter in the house. <laughs> so I go in and see her and I'm just like, wow, this is so awesome. And then I go and open the door, and I say to my wife, hey, move over. I'm getting in bed. And she's like, you're not leaving. I'm like, I am. She goes, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I came to see the baby. She's like, I cannot believe you would do this. I'm like, it's so exciting. Why? Because healthy things grow, and they multiply. And I'm excited about the multiplication that's happening. And it's like, like Mountain View's having another baby, right, where it's prodigal. But in a lot of ways, it's Mountain View sunny side. Because you know when you become a grandparent, you know what you learn? I've only been a grandparent for six months, so I'm not an expert, but I'll tell you what I've learned. All parenting rules are done. Right? Now it doesn't matter. I get to just do everything wrong that you always wanted to do because I don't face any consequences. Right? So I'm already thinking, man, this is like, this is going to be sugar haven at this house. My kids didn't get any sugar until their first birthday when they ate their cake. And I'm just like, that ain't happening. Don't tell Roxy. When I'm babysitting, it is like, wow, it's going to be awesome. Why? Because it's different. And I'm excited about Prodigal being birthed out of Mountain View Sunnyside, being birthed out of main campus. I'm excited because healthy things grow and they multiply. And we need to think like Jesus. 
God put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. It's about the bride. It's about Jesus. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace, for there's one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and in all and living through all. There is one church. And I tell you what, we never root against the church. We never root against the multiplication of the church. We never root against what God's doing in the church. It's the church. We need to be excited about the church and the growth of the church and the growth of the kingdom of God. We never root against it. Because, see, we're called to take risks. Great risks, people. Great risks for God. Like, great risks equal great rewards. Lots of excitement. There's only about 2% of the population that actually are innovators and like to take risks and try new things. You know, kind of going where no one has gone before and say, this is awesome. This could work and be amazing. Or completely blow up. Wow, what an adventure. Like, that's 2% of the population. Some of you are thinking, I love to watch someone else do that. That's okay. That's okay. That's why we do what we do. Paul writes this to the church in Rome. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I've been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. Prodigal's going not to just gather a bunch of people. It's going where no one's gone before to plant a church that's going to tell people the good news about Jesus and lead to the salvation of people. It's going to do a miracle of salvation. We're not just looking to reshuffle the evangelical deck and have people go from one church to another. We're looking to say, we want to see lost people come to faith. There was a point when you and I were far from God, living our lives for ourselves, did not know Jesus. We were hell-bent. But man, we met Jesus, and everything changed. And it should move us to bring glory to God in every church. Because there's one church, and that's why we'll take the risks. We were just in, in, in Myanmar, um, used to be called Burma. And uh, my wife and I went to see the work that's happening. It's brand new, going where nobody's gone, doing new things. And, you know, we get to sleep in the dirt, and we're getting a little old for that, just saying. You know? I mean, you know, we, we landed in, in, in the capital, Yangon, which used to be called Rangoon. And uh, they pick us up from the airport, go by, say, drop stuff, just carry a backpack. You're going to have to carry everything with you. We're going to be gone for two, three days. So we're like, all right, two nights, planning this, planning that. We were gone for like five or six days. Plans changed. You know, and, and it was awesome sleeping on the ground, not having showers. But because why? Because we're going where nobody's gone before to see what God's doing that, that's never been done in those places, telling people the good news about Jesus. Right? At one point, we're driving in this, this vehicle, and we're going down the road, and it's getting narrower and narrower and narrower, and I'm thinking, eventually, we're going to have to stop, or we are going to tumble into a rice field. We're in the middle of nowhere. So finally, we stop because we can't go any further, and conveniently, right there was a group of guys with motorcycles. And I'm thinking, hmm, 
guys who had learned something. And they looked at us and, you know, talking kind of how they, whatever, sign language. Finally, our guy who spoke Burmese was there, and he's like, yeah, these are the guys. They're here to take us on motorcycles now, another 30 minutes in. So he gets on, and boom, he's gone. Leaves us with them. And I mean, it was just this priceless moment of Esther riding side saddle, my wife, you know, in a skirt on this motorcycle. And I'm on this. Motorcycle's a loose term. These were small motorcycles. Some might even call some of them mopeds. And I'm on the back with this guy. And, I mean, they're all really kind of small people. I am the largest human they've seen, right? And we're going over this bump, and there's this really bad sound. And the guy's like, you can just hear this. And I'm like, this is not going to work out well for your bike, buddy. (laughs) But we go in, and all of a sudden we get stopped. Our our guide, our guy, pastor, he's gone. We get stopped by this guy, and it turns out he's a policeman. And he's, you know, something's going on. I don't know what's going on. He's just all agitated. And, uh, you know, more and more of us keep showing up on these bikes. There's seven of us, you know. And uh, he, he finally tells us we can keep going, and he follows us, and now there's two of these policemen. And we get into this place. It turns out there's three kinds of areas, which I already knew. There's the open area where anybody can go. And then there's the restricted area where you need an internal country visa to go because they don't let anyone go. So we had those for the places we'd been. And then there's the areas where you can't go no matter what. Well, we're in a restricted area. We have no visa because we didn't know. And they hadn't seen a foreigner in like 200 years. So we were big news. And we were big. I mean, my wife's 5'6", and she was a giant. <laughs> so they gather, and the police are there, and they, they want like information. Like, what's your name? So I'm like, you know, I'm trying to tell them my name. And they're like, I, I, I gave them my full name, Frederick Allen Leonard. He's like, can, you know how sometimes it's hard to pronounce names? They've never heard a name like that before. And the guy's on the phone with his boss yelling, trying to get my name out. And I'm feeling really bad for him. So finally they look at everyone. They go, we want your passport. And now we know it's getting serious. So I walk away. <laughs> I'm not giving you my passport, man. I am so <laughs> going to go way over here. Well, they grab the other guys, take their passport, and they're all Canadians. So finally they come and they grab me and they go, passport, passport. So I pull them out and I give them my passport. And they're like, <gasps> an American. And I'm like, yes, I'm an American. <laughs> and they're like, okay. <laughs> Everything changed. I mean, they still weren't happy. But, you know, we finished our farming seminar, and we left. Why do you do things like that? Why? Because you're going where nobody's gone before to tell people about what? Jesus. Jesus. And that's what's happening with prodigal. It's a risk, and there's innovators that do that. Then there's early adopters, and that's a bunch of you saying, we're going to go. We're going to be a part of this. 14% of the population are early adopters. They're like, we are in, and we want to get in early, and we want to be a part of this. 68% are late adopters. Once this thing's kind of going and working, I think we might join. But maybe not, but maybe, maybe not. And I want to say, if you're committing to go with John to prodigal, go. Make a commitment for sure through the end of the year, five months, like five months, and then reevaluate. And if you're one of those late adopters at 68%, great. You say, and you know what, you're staying? Stay for five months. And then reevaluate and join Prodigal then if you want. You're not late. I mean, the name's late adopter. It sounds bad. It's not bad. But listen to the Lord and do what God calls you to do. We're excited about people going. We're excited about people staying. We're excited about people leaving main campus and coming with, with Ken and Anna and being here. We're excited about that. They're, they're leaving and they're coming. We're excited about multiplication and people moving. I'll tell you what I'm not excited about. 16% of people are resistors. It doesn't matter what you do or how you're doing it. It's wrong. And they're going to say no. The world is round. No, it's flat. 
it's better to use LED bulbs. They use less electricity. No, they don't. Incandescent. It doesn't matter what it is. They're against it. Don't be a resistor. Resistors, if in the kingdom of God, you can be an innovator, you can be an early adopter, you can be a late adopter, but don't be a resistor. It's the church. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. It's one church. If you have ever said, you know what, they're going to leave, they're going to do prodigal, it ain't going to work, man, that thing is going to die. You need to repent before Jesus. It's his church. We should never do that. You say, well, you know, we're all going to go to prodigal and Sunnyside's going to die. You should repent because you should never say that. You never root against the church. It's the church of Jesus. It's his bride. He takes it so seriously, you have no idea. I always say, you can say what you want about me. You can be mad at me all you want. Till the cows come home. Don't mess with my wife. Them fighting words. That won't go well for you. Don't mess with the bride. It's the church. Jesus says things like, the gates of hell won't stand against my church. So if you stand against the church... You're standing with the gates of hell against Jesus, and that will not end well. We bless Sunnyside. We bless Prodigal. We bless the church. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. We bless multiplication. We need to remember who the boss is and what our assignment is, and the boss is Jesus. And our assignment is to go forth and proclaim the good news of the gospel. We need to remember that Jesus is the head of the church. He's the head of his body, the church. He makes everything, the whole body, fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It's the church, and we're called to lift up Jesus because he'll draw all people to himself. It's the church, and we're ready to follow Jesus when he calls us to go, no matter what the cost is, because it's the church. There's a moment when the Apostle Paul is heading to Jerusalem, and he knows he needs to go. God's told him to go. He knows God's voice. He is going. He is heading to Jerusalem. And everybody's telling him the same thing everywhere he goes. Says, I'm now, I'm, Paul says, I'm bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And then the believers are together and they're prophesying. There's a guy named Agabus and he prophesies this. He comes over and he takes Paul's belt and he he binds his own feet and hands with it. And he says, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. And Paul says, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. Because everyone's begging him, don't go, don't go. And he's like, the Holy Spirit told me what's coming. I'm ready not only to be jailed in Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Man, we take risks for the sake of the church, for the sake of God's kingdom. We make room for God to move and do things that otherwise wouldn't happen because it's the church and we want it to multiply and grow. I mean, Nathan's been here doing worship, right? He's an apprentice. He's here for a season and then he's going to leave and, and he's going to go back to school and then he's going to go and serve. Why do we have apprentices? Because it's like catch and release. We catch them and release them. Our goal is not to keep them all. I mean, so many times they want to stay. We should stay. You should keep us. And we're like, no, no, that's not our goal. We can't. If we had to keep every apprentice that came, I mean, how would that work? We're catch and release. We're giving you a chance to be trained, equipped, and learn, and grow, and then go. We're excited about prodigal. 
and about John and Sarah and their family going. We're excited about what God is doing. It's a chance for multiplication. It's a chance for God's blessing and God's church to grow. It's on the move. We celebrate it with John and Sarah and with Stephen and Ruth and with Joel and Brittany. We're excited about them going and everybody going with them. And people ask me, well, how's it going to work, man? Like, what's going to happen? Like, everyone's leaving. And I'm like, it's the church. Like, it's going to be okay. Then we tell them, well, you know, Ken and Anna are coming and Tim and Robin are coming to do worship and and we're sending, you know, Dave and Connie as the execs for me for five months. You know, we've got another people that we're sending. They're like, well, how's it going to work? They're all leaving. I'm like, it's the church. It's going to be okay. Like, it's the church. Like, it's not even, like, I just work there. I'm not the boss. It's Jesus. And he wants his church to grow and multiply. So come on up, John. We want to pray. I want to pray for him. I am so excited. If you guys want to come together with the whole family, it'd be great. I'm excited. You should be too. You should be clapping and cheering and being excited. This is the moment of excitement, right? I mean, they're like getting on the enterprise and going where no one's gone before, right? They're going to new places and new worlds to do new things and take risks for the king and the kingdom. How you doing, dude? I like your hair. It's almost as cool as your dad's. That's why he's so shy. He's just like his father. (laughs) That's awesome. Aren't we excited? Like we should be, right? So we're excited that John and Sarah are going. We're excited they're taking their kids with them because it would be weird if they didn't, right? We're excited that God has a plan and a purpose to bless them and bless the city through them and establish his church. It's an awesome thing. We're excited they're going. And to do that, because they're going, we're excited to partner with them. So, you know, as as Mountain View Main Campus, we're going to cover his salary for four months so it doesn't rest on the new church. We want to be helpful. We want to be encouraging. We want to be a blessing. Why? Because it's the church. Like, we are cheering for success, and we want to pray for it. We're also excited that Ken and Anna are coming here, so why don't you guys come up? You can cheer for them, too. You know, as, as they leave their known for their unknown and come. Their kids are way more crazy, so they couldn't have them in here. Just saying. So we're excited for them. You know, Ken's been the youth pastor at Main Campus for, for 13 years. The average youth pastor will last 11 months. Like, he has knocked it out of the park, outkicked his coverage, and done an awesome job. And he's coming. We're excited. And we're excited that they're friends. And they like each other for years. Like, that's a miracle, right? Only God can put that together. So if you're here and you're going to prodigal with them, I want you to stand. Because you're a winner, too. Like, not, if you're not going, it's not like you're not a winner. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> because we're excited that you're going and saying we're taking a risk and we're going. Good for you. God is going to bless you and prosper you as you go. So let's stretch out our hands. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's ask God's blessing. So, Father, we thank you for John and Sarah, for Dex and Ivy. We thank you for Ken and Anna, for Micah and Ellie and Eden. We thank you for these two families. We thank you for their willingness to be obedient, to say yes to you. We thank you that they're willing to take a risk and leave the known for the unknown. I pray you protect their marriages. I pray you protect their kids. I pray you watch over their hearts. 
I pray you fill them with fresh gifts and power and abilities to accomplish all that you have for them. I pray you bless the people that are going with them to prodigal. I pray you encourage them and bless them and release them into fresh ways. I pray that they'll know more of your power and your presence and your glory. I pray you bless and prosper the church at Sunnyside and Prodigal. I pray you do it, God, to bring glory, honor, and fame to your name. So bless John and Sarah and their family. Bless Ken and Anna and their family. And bless the church in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's awesome. Like there's so many things to be excited about in life, and this is definitely one of them. Simultaneously, there's another campus getting launched. It's a Spanish-speaking campus, pastored by Jose and Myra, fully Spanish. We're excited about that. We're excited about the way God's doing it. You know what we're doing? You know what the goal is? See, there's this thing in Acts 13 where they sent the, the two best people they had in the church in Antioch of Syria. They sent Paul, who was called Saul at that point, but Paul and Barnabas. They sent him out. And people are always like, man, you're sending out Paul and Barnabas. Are you going to be okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know what the other option is? If you go back a few chapters earlier, read, read Acts chapter 5. You could send Ananias and Sapphira. Things didn't work out so well for them. We're looking to send the best that we have. We're looking to send John as the best that we have. We're looking to send Ken as the best that we have. We're looking to send you as the best that we have. Be you coming here, going there, staying here, staying there. I mean, we're just saying with Jesus, you're the best for doing it. Because the power and the presence of God lives in you. And God has a purpose for you. It's to bring him glory and to fame. It's, it's a purpose to see lost people come to Jesus. So we live by faith. We recognize that Jesus is building his church and the powers of hell can't stand against it. And then we pray. We pray about everything. It's a great word Paul gives to the church in Philippi. Don't worry about anything. He said, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him with your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We are not worriers as followers of Jesus. We're prayers. When we pray, we don't worry. When we pray, we have peace. When we pray, we release God's power and presence, and that's why we have peace, because we're expecting miracles. We're expecting God to do more. I don't worry about what's going to happen. I pray. And so many things happen that are unexpected to us, but not a shock to God. So we release God's presence into the situation. I always say, if there's a problem, at least talk to the person that can do something about it. Well, that's Jesus. He wants to solve the problem. So we're in his word and we trust him and we expect him to move. We walk in obedience to what he says. And we make decisions focusing on the cross. We make decisions focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We make decisions focusing on people who don't yet know Jesus. We make decisions focusing on the fact that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. We make decisions based on the fact that Jesus is building his church. And then we say, God, just give us peace. Give us peace in this. I'll invite the worship team to come. We're going to sing one last song, and I'm going to challenge you to respond, to say to God, anything, anytime, anywhere, whatever you want and however you want to do it. Just to once again, we're going to say to him, whatever you want, 
be that staying, going, shifting, moving, whatever the Lord is saying, we're going to say yes to him today. And if that's kind of a step of freedom for you, just come, stand at the front and just say, I'm going to stand before the Lord and just say yes to that. And God will give you peace as you ask him. Let's stand and pray. God, we stand in your presence only because of Jesus. Jesus, you're the hope of the world. You came to establish your church. Gates of hell won't stand against it. And you are building one church. And it's your bride. Man, we want to be exactly like you created us to be. Early adopters, innovators, late adopters. But we never want to be resistant. We don't want to speak against your church, against your people, against your leaders. And we need faith to do that. Because when we look with human eyes, sometimes we don't see multiplication, we see problems. So we come to you today and pray for peace and excitement and joy because you're building your church. Speak to the people here today. If you're calling them to stay, tell them clearly. If you're calling them to go, tell them clearly. And may each person walk in obedience to what you've called them to do to the glory of your name. We want to be right where you want us to be. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to say if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, be your Savior, be the leader of your life. You've never actually asked him to forgive you of your sins. You've never entered into a personal relationship with God through Jesus. This is your moment. You're actually here today to meet Jesus, the Savior of the world, who wants to forgive you of your sins and change you forever. It'd literally be the best decision you've ever made. It's three simple things. First, you recognize that God loves you. Two, you recognize you're separated from Him because of your sin. And three, you recognize that Jesus came to die in your place and pay the penalty for your sin, and all you have to do is ask Him. So if that's you today and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, be your Savior, be the leader of your life, I want to challenge you to ask Him today. I just want you to look at me, raise your hand, when we close, someone will pray with you and you'll meet Jesus. Anybody here today, this is your moment to meet Jesus. You're here today to meet the Savior of the world. Anybody this morning? For the rest of us, I encourage us, if God is calling you to do something, and this is your moment of commitment to that, to go, to come, to stay, I encourage you to come. Stand at the